Before we set it up, the environment, maybe uh, I will use the opportunity to, to introduce myself because uh, I, I supposed to be one of the people who, is, uh, who, are, who are answering your questions uh, on this uh, Ask Me Anything session. So my name is Stanley. Uh, you didn't meet, meet me yet. I'm VP of Engineering in, in Kiwi. Uh, very closely cooperating with JK, who is our, our CTO, and uh, me, me and my, my colleague uh, are basically responsible for a whole engineering uh, from uh, how perspective. So, so, so we with our teams are building uh, our product. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, now uh, I'm the, the Volodymyr uh, will uh, share the slide the screen. Uh, you can you can start asking your questions. We are here to answer anything. Uh, I'm not here alone. So if you also have some questions to to other uh, speakers, uh, we have also JK and Petra here, and also uh, approximately half of our, our, our uh, speakers from, from today. Uh, so feel free to, to, to shoot anything. OK, so uh, I will ask a question we had recently from Dmitry uh, on this talk. Thanks for the insightful overview. Do you think users are coming to Kiwi.com for the difficult routes or the interlining? And the hard work behind it is invisible. To the customers and they use kiwi.com as a platform for tickets comparing and booking this is question uh, to you petra yeah yeah thanks this is the one that we skipped actually on the talk uh, because it dis disappeared right so look like uh, uh, it's uh, it's both right some people actually come to, to kiwi.com and uh, and they are actually comparing what are the, the best options for them uh, they are using the uh, the wide searches for example uh, uh, for either dates or date ranges or even the areas and they are checking like uh, what are the, their options basically. And uh, some of them then book at uh, kiwi.com. Some of them go to carrier and uh, book directly with the carrier. That's, uh, uh, that, that, that's the reality. Uh, however, where we would like to go, uh, and that's, uh, that's more about like uh, uh, where we really want to go for, for the future is that uh, uh, we will make uh, we will persuade other people that uh, it makes sense to book with us and that uh, uh, that uh, our product is, is better than to to book direct than than booking directly with the carriers. Uh, price being one of the things I was uh, talking about that that uh, uh, that we would like to get at least to the same level as the carriers or or, or lower. So that would not be anymore the, the reason why to leave Kiwi.com, but uh, uh, but uh, but many more uh, some of the features I was talking about also within my presentation. Thank you. Uh, do you react or how quickly do you react to various streets to remove the connections or to offer alternative roads? Do you monitor weather, strikes, conflicts? Yes, uh, I, can, I can take this one. Uh, of course we do. We monitor basically everything. And uh, in our history, we already have a couple of very interesting stories of uh, earthquakes, uh, volcanoes, and uh, all the all, all the disasters which could uh, which could happen. Uh, we we uh, had had experience with almost everything. Uh, we we are kind of quickly, and it always depends on uh, on uh, how uh, the actual emergency looks like, and uh, we we are deciding how to treat them. Of course, we have some basic processes in place uh, after after these years, uh, but uh, sometimes like something new, what, what you didn't expect, it come uh, also also here. So so we, we are somehow like uh, proactively or reactively treating all the emergencies uh, for kind of business as usual. What what we what we are dealing with is also like um, day to day changes and basically uh, schedule changes and cancellations of routes, which are already bought. And for this, we have like a whole ecosystem. I, I would say like a, approximately 40 to 50 services and a couple of teams which are around this ecosystem, uh, which are basically dealing uh, with uh, with schedule changes and, and, and with cancellation and offering alternative roads and, and, and etc. Uh, this is kind of complex problem for us. One of the one of the most difficult because as as you know, we are combining carriers which don't cooperate each, each other. So all the changes in flights for us is not like easy change to go to the database and, and uh, basically change one field. Uh, it's uh, the whole process uh, behind when you are changing one flight, for example, Ryanair and, and, and replacing with some uh, some alternative. You, you need to uh, take into account like uh, the, the consistency of whole, whole order. You need to uh, take into account 
uh, what what was ad additional ancillaries and everything binded to this. So it's really not a trivial pro problem uh, for us, and uh, we, we do react, and, and there is whole magic behind. We like challenges. I can I can maybe add to this that uh, uh, from the moment that uh, search team gets uh, the, the the order to filter some um, impacted zone or impacted area out of the search, uh, it can be gone in five minutes, including the setting up manual. Exactly, all the information we have, we already have processes to react very quickly to stop the fire at the first place and then start treating what, what was affected. And we also have weather guide in our company as well. That's that's actually cool. Like I think don't a lot of companies don't have like really we have position of weather guy who actually like uh, helped a lot in many cases and was able to predict uh, a lot of um, possible like impact uh, which we were able to mitigate sooner rather than later. So great kudos. Okay. Uh, let's move to the next All question. Right, let's uh, jump to the next one. Question to Tobiak. To Tobiak, thanks. Thank you a lot for your presentation, revealing the internal career path. Do you have training programs for new starters, or you hire ready-to-go engineers? In your opinion, what is the best approach to train junior developers? Uh, all right. Hey. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'm happy that you liked the presentation uh, about the training programs. No, we don't have anything like that. Like, as we as I said, we started a year ago, so there is uh, everything is like kind of new uh and we have a lot of plans how to make it better in terms of like whether we hire ready to go engineers like it's important to say that our career path is not fully detached from the industry right so it's more about how we classify engineers and how we kind of create um like basically target target levels how to go how to grow where to grow and formalize it a little bit but when we hire a person we basically map map that person to to our current internal level system and it usually works just fine. Uh, one thing to say maybe that uh, our expectations from seniority are perhaps higher than what uh, what is common in the industry. So when you get hired to uh, to Kiwi and you're coming through with that senior title, like uh, the title of a senior engineer, it's possible that you will take it away from you by our current standards, but that's not really a problem. Like, unless you really care about that, that title, it just means that we have high, high standards and you got perfect, you can perfectly perform on a lower level and grow, uh, grow from there. That's, 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 that's working as, as intended. So our expectations are like only maybe are slightly higher and perhaps slightly tweaked towards the, the, let's say the Kiwicom culture, how we are built uh, internally, which skills we actually require from, from people. But I wouldn't say it's really uh, like anything major, very different from what you see outside. Uh, the last questions about training junior developers. I mean, I can speak for myself. It's great when you have actually, when you have somebody to learn from, like somebody really experienced who is also good at teaching uh, in terms of how we want to do that at scale. I mean, I think this um, Kiwicom has a good culture at this, like people are really helpful. They are used to sharing knowledge. So I think this part actually works well and there's no, um, not much we can do better in this, in this regard, but we do uh, explicitly uh, reward that through the skills, through our uh, the, through career framework. So like on, let's say L5, there's, a, there's an actual requirement that like not a hard requirement, but it's, it's kind of expected that if you can, you upskill people around you and you mentor them. So it's uh, basically encouraging what's already happening and rewarding that uh, with some, let's say, official in you know, some official official ways. Um, hope that answers your question. Thank you, Tobik. Uh, let's go to the next question from Michal. How do you handle so many currencies? Does it generate any revenue stream as well? How do you mitigate the risk of frauds there? Do you plan to accept bitcoins? Stanley, maybe you? I, I can I can have you start. Petra, can you take this, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to uh, unmute myself. Uh, so look, Michal, uh, there there are uh, quite, quite many quite many things. Of course, uh, yes, as, as you say or as you are stating, we are actually handling quite many uh, currencies, and uh, as uh, of course, like uh, we are dealing uh, with the fraud and uh, the prevention of fraud. Um, I would not disclose here more details, but if you really are uh, interested in this uh, in this, I would. Uh, 
I would advise to uh, to apply for one of our fintech roles uh, because I think that there is actually the full world of uh, of very interesting uh, information there, and uh, you would be able to uncover all this in more details. Okay. Thank you. I would just add that we have like again uh, two big teams, so one in engineering and one in finance, which are handling this also not trivial trivial uh, uh, problem to solve, and especially routing and uh, yeah, Bitcoin pro probably. If the industry will do it, uh, then, then we will probably do it. But let's see. Okay. Uh, another question it's for alexander do you have some machine learning or ie solution in place already if yes can you tell us where and how does it perform how big is your machine learning or ie team or... yeah that's that's a very good um, um question um i mean machine learning is a broad field and there are let's say I mean, everything from, let's say, linear regression to very, let's say, sophisticated neural networks is machine learning considered these days. So um, if you take all this, this, those methods into consideration, we actually have quite a lot of, of machine learning uh, in the company. But uh, we have a couple of uh, prediction services, um, for example, in place. They predict um, whether a um, customer is, for example, likely um, to be interested in an ancillary, in a specific ancillary, uh, for example. Um, how does it perform? Well, we all always measure in terms of business um, outcome, and um, I can't go into the specific numbers, but let's put it that way. If the business case wasn't positive, we would not be running uh, those models. I think this is how we um, approach it. Um, how big is our uh, machine learning uh, team? I will not call it AI. From my perspective, AI today does not exist, so I will uh, rather stick with machine learning. Um, it's, it's pretty small, so we have currently um, about four or five um, data scientists in the organization, but this is actually one of the reasons why I joined um, to grow, actually, and to um, drive the adoption of machine learning. Where, where necessary, I think it's not so much important about actually how big your team is. It's more about how do you scale your efforts? And actually, I would be happy if we can actually keep the, the team small and actually bring machine learning to the fingertips of, for example, all the engineers uh, in our organization. But because ultimately, I don't believe in that, let's say, you can scale through people, but much more through platforms. And you scale then through platforms, actually skills. And this is how I would like to, to go about it. So. In the future, I would like to see that actually all the engineers that we have in the organization will be at some point and to some extent be able to actually build uh, and deploy machine learning models uh, with the help of, of, um, of experts for sure. But I personally would like actually to keep that team as small as possible. Okay, thank you. Another question we have from Michal, how often can you apply for promotions? If there, is, if there is a rejection, when can you try again, Fabik? Uh, yeah, so we, we have a biannual cycles. So basically every, every six months, we allow people to apply for, for, for a promotion. If you get rejected, you can start, uh, you can try again in the, in the next round. Uh, maybe I guess the follow-up question would be like, why only uh, twice per year? Isn't that limiting? Uh, basically the idea is here that we, uh, this allows us to, actually put people next to each other and compare them. Uh, it's also simple organizationally because we uh, we put together the committees and we actually can have, we have dedicated time to discuss these people. This wouldn't work if we did that every every month for just a one or two people, uh, one or two persons. And uh, finally, like one of the reasons why this actually makes sense is that like as engineers, we don't, gr we don't grow that quickly like we need to time to obtain the skills and the career framework requires to demonstrate the skills over uh, a non-trivial period of time so uh, if you get rejected by a promotion we don't find it lucky that you will fix it and demonstrate it sufficiently in three months so that's uh, that's how it works okay thank you another question what is the hardest challenge do you see for the data flow at kiwi.com? It's probably for you, Alexander. Yeah, it's for me, but I, I guess also Stanley can, can actually talk about it in terms of, uh, for example, search and how we do search. I mean, 
I think one of, let's say, the challenges that I see is uh, was on, on my slides, actually, that we actually get the data producers and consumers directly to touch. I think indirection is always something that you need to prevent. Um, so this is one of the challenges, get producers and consumers actually um, uh, to work directly with each other. And then I think we are still a very fast moving uh, company. So we're constantly changing our product. We're constantly changing our data structures. So to keep up with those changes, to preserve the knowledge, how data has been actually generated um, over time is I think um, a major challenge for us as we're moving that fast. Um, so if you want, for example, to build a machine learning model and you need to have, let's say, a certain amount of data at hand, let's say two years of data, then actually so much happened during those two, two years. And I'm not just looking now at COVID. I think it's more, let's say, company practice to break things and move. Um, I think that is potentially the biggest challenge for us to keep up with the, the change, to actually understand how data has been generated and to prepare it so it can be actually consumed and adjusted to those changes and ultimately that's then a knowledge management um, um, let's say uh, uh, challenge and again it can be solved through infrastructure but also again to bring actually uh, producers and consumers as closely together as possible i can confirm alex uh, that basically the current biggest challenges are around data governance that the data understanding and data quality uh and, and basically data implement uh implement understanding implementation in the past or in general the challenges of course like around the data acquisition and search to ensure uh like from scalability perfect perspective uh, to ensure that uh, we are handling everything in the real, real real time uh and and we have consistent data uh, there is a whole magic around uh, checks and uh, ensuring that the price and availability is, is correct and also around the combination uh, that's very difficult or, and, and very interesting challenges and problems uh, to solve and, and our you know, search team are doing, doing greater. So we don't see it as a challenge now, but just because it was challenging in the past and now, now it's uh, on a very good track and the team is great. So currently we are fighting mainly with, uh, uh, as Alex said, uh, connecting producer and consumers and uh, making sure that they understand each other. Thank you, Stanley and Alexander. I will jump to the next question, which is from Teresa. What biggest engineering achievements from 2020 you're most proud of? That's a great question. I would say, uh, maybe I will let uh, JK comment, but I would say that we managed to survive. Uh, uh, there was a very tough year. Uh, team uh, needs to uh, were like not, not suffer, but really to do, do some uh, like it was challenging for everybody and and we still managed to to get there and and to to, to survive and uh, uh that that's one of the biggest achievements uh then uh on the other hand it also pushed us to to do uh things which we, we maybe wouldn't do so sooner uh around the agility about, about around the measurements about about the fixing some processes and giving uh or bringing a lot uh, way more predictability what are very good things uh, we, we were able to uh, implement and uh, we will definitely profit from from it also for the future uh, so i would maybe name mainly these uh, i'm not sure if jk or petra or anybody else from the audience uh, can I remember of something else uh, you pretty much said it so we the team didn't get scared uh, from COVID, from the crisis and we kept building the product in a very flexible way so it was adapting to the constantly changing market and mostly thanks to this, we managed to survive. This was a big part of the story. So uh, yeah, we learned to be resilient and thanks to our flexibility, uh, it went quite well. So this is the biggest achievement for during COVID. Maybe one more. Uh, in, in the spring, there was a huge uh, optimization initiated regarding our infrastructure because we had a big motivation <laughs> with uh, cutting the cost. So. It was, uh, it was pretty good as well, I, I would say. What I also like uh, that we managed to work remotely, teams uh, started working efficiently. And personally, for me, it was also achievement how we work. Okay, let's go to the next question. Do a lot of people book ground transport via kiwi.com? If not, why? Yeah, let me take this one. Uh, so uh, not so many, and there are a couple of reasons why. 
First, like uh, we are focusing on the optimization of flights because we still have a, a huge room for improvements there. And uh, and second, like mainly during the past year when, when Corona was there and when the, uh, when the ground carriers actually uh, uh, succeeded mostly in the domestic markets, um, they have uh, brands there already. Like uh, uh, we, we decided not to compete with them in terms of like uh, brand advertisements and, uh, and uh, basically competing with them on the on the same market for for us would be just too expensive so we decided uh, rather to focus on the flights for now and for the on the combinations on the multimodal that i uh, that i said before basically the, the combination of uh, uh, buses uh, uh, trains and flights and uh, we are not focusing that much on the ground transport uh, itself uh, so far thank you Okay, uh, we have questions. How are machine learning approaches being used at Kivi.com now? And where do you see the future of machine learning in travel? Yeah, um, I think I answered one or the, the, the first uh, part of that question already um, before. Um, where do I see the future of machine learning and travel? Um, well, first of all, what is machine learning? Machine learning is basically an approach to actually detect patterns um, that is what machine learning is really great at and to detect patterns that human beings cannot see in high dimensional spaces. So this is what machine learning is actually great at. So what, how can you use that? First of all, I think machine learning is something that only works at scale. So I don't think that machine learning will actually be affected everywhere in travel, especially let's say uh, companies who are really, let's say focused on on small niches, actually, I don't believe that they can actually tap into the power of machine learning. They will need to find something else. I think the most successful companies will be those who have, let's say, a decent market share and actually have a decent, let's say, or have decent amounts of touch points with the customers. Because this is where I actually believe machine learning can help you to actually continuously adopt your product, your offering. Um, and to, let's say, already or almost anticipate what a specific customer might need, right? What is the need of a customer and how do I inspire actually a customer to go places that he or she has never thought before? Um, and I think this leads basically to how you sense what is currently going on in the markets, what are trends, how you can uh, bring those trends actually and convey them to your customers and to spot trends. Again, you need to have a decent market share to actually see what's happening or let's say a broad market coverage. So I think this is where machine learning will actually help. It will be focused around the customer and how you create value for a customer. Um, and I don't believe it's actually, um, let's say the future is not so much in terms of, let's say, hardcore optimization. Um, for example, revenue uh, uh, management is one of the fields that you often see popping up, but I don't believe actually that this is really, let's say the future will be much more around the customer and can I sense what the customer currently needs and can I actually, for example, also pricing. Uh, can I adjust that actually to customer needs and not so much can I drive my, my revenues short term or can I, for example, uh, when we talk about airlines, um, uh, improve utilization or increase utilization. Um, it will be about personalization. Uh, I don't think it will be about hyper-personalization where each and every customer gets, let's say, a very, very unique offering. But it's about spotting what certain customer groups um, are looking for. So customer centricity, I think this is where machine learning, especially in travel, because it's going to be um, uh, very, very, let's say, uh, uh, trend um, uh, driven, um, will contribute uh, the most. Thank I can agree more in general, definitely, as Alex said, personalization. And to answer also the first part of the question, currently it's being used mainly around pricing. Uh, of course, and uh, in, in the near future, we see other areas of uh, like complex problem where uh, machine learning can, can help. Uh, even we, either we are talking about uh, payments and a whole system and managing all the currencies and, uh, and the payment flows or, or a prediction of, uh, of delayed flights, uh, schedule changes, cancellation, mm -hmm. everything. So there is many places in Kiwi where, where we can use machine learning. Um, we, we are planning to somewhere we are already using, using and, and, and the future, ultimate future is machine learning 2.0, how we can name it, as Alex said, not just 
like using data, but using data in like from completely different perspective of like speaking about context and a little bit of predicting and navigating what customer want uh, and being like very like do real, real personalization. We also mentioned that uh, uh, machine learning is also used in some kind of inventory uh, optimization or enhancement. Uh, I touched that a little bit in my presentation regarding search backend. So I, I encourage you to check it out later. I encourage you actually to check all the presentation if you wasn't able to catch them, what you wasn't because they were parallel to tracks. So definitely watch them later. Uh, all, all, both text and general, general track were, were amazing. Fortunately, we can record it. Okay, let's jump to the next one. Do you have a paternity leave in the company or other supports for parents? I can probably take this one because I think that we don't have actually anyone from HR, unfortunately. Uh, so uh, we don't have any special program for, for uh, fathers yet. However, there is a growkivi.com uh, program that is actually taking care uh, of uh, of uh, both mothers and uh, and fathers actually, and uh, they are building a program uh, that is supporting uh, parents. Uh, being that, uh, for example, for uh, for people on the maternity or paternity leave uh, and uh, working part time and preparing some sort of like uh, workshops, learnings, uh, uh, and mentorings. Uh, but but also like uh, helping uh, with uh, uh, because we have here in the in the offices uh, quite nice rooms where uh, parents can work together with their kids or have uh, have there someone who takes care of them and work at, at the same time and be close. So a couple of things. I think that there was actually some nice summarizing article on on blog of uh, jobskivi.com, so you can check it out. Uh, but uh, in this field, I'm I'm pretty sure that there will be much more coming soon as we are getting a bit older uh, and, uh, and more family family uh, men and women in the company than, than uh, we used to. This is something that uh, as a company, of course, we want to uh, we want to support fully. Thank you. What is the biggest difference between the culture of working and the nature of data between kiwi.com and Flixbus? That's that's an, an interesting uh, question. Uh, it's, I can only give you my very subjective uh, uh, per, uh, perception on, on that. So uh, uh, I guess everybody would need to make up their own uh, mind about that. For me, I think where where and that's actually one thing that uh, I really enjoyed Kiwi is that Kiwi. Um, has always considered technology to be at the heart and soul. Um, so JK being one of the founders and that the product is basically uh, based on, on technology. I think that's something that is very, at least to me, very unique at Kiwi. And I don't think that you will find actually a lot of those, let's say, very tech-driven companies in Europe. It might be a bit different in, in the US, but you know, you don't need to be a fan of the Ubers and the Lyfts uh, of this world um, who, who, let's say, dive or dwell on, on the bright future. Um, I think using technology and actually having, let's say, a healthy uh, and sustainable business is something uh, pretty, pretty unique. And I think uh, Kiwi, especially in Europe, is one of the, let's say, companies that takes tech really to the heart of soul of, of the company. And I think that's a bit of a difference to Flixbus. Flixbus consider itself also a tech company, but actually as Flixbus also has, let's say, that whole offline world uh, and that offline product uh, there, Flixbus is a mixture between a tech company and actually, let's say, a classical transportation uh, uh, company. And I think this is the biggest difference um, apart from people. I mean, both companies are young at heart, uh, driving ahead quickly, are ambitious. Um, I think this is this is pretty much uh, the same, and I enjoy it actually here at Kiwi as I, I did at Flixbus. In terms of data, I mean, at Kiwi.com, we actually, in terms of amount of data and the amount of data we just process every day, that's this is just a different scale. Um, Flixbus is much more transaction oriented. We're, at Flixbus, we were not as, let's say, dependent on others. We were not acquiring as much data um, uh, from other platforms. So this is the difference basically also in the business. Um, I think uh, the, the other thing about um, 
um, data is that that Flixbus was much more focused on internal data and internal data sources. And uh, actually, we when we started, we were working or we started actually on one huge database. Here at Kiwi, we have actually an ecosystem of microservices with attached databases. So actually we have already taken that step at Flixbus. We did that step uh, when I was there and we went from, let's say one large data source, which is also challenging to be honest, to a lot of smaller ones. I think at Kiwi, we're already there. So definitely the volume and the amount of sources, data sources is different, especially when we consider also our, let's say, dependency on external platforms, on the carriers, on uh, the, 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 the traveling platforms. That was something where Flixbus, let's say, was say, let's say was more autonomous. Yeah, I think those are the major- I would just add that like, basically, uh, given the fact that Kiwi has majority of the data uh, integrated from third parties, as Alex said, it also means that data are partially correct, what making the whole problem way more fun <laughs> and more complex with all the edge cases and, and, and dealing with this partial correctness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, guys. Let's move on to the next question. What is the expected amount of time spent on performance reviews and on promotion applications? Topic, it's for you. Uh, all right. Um, so I, I, uh, I don't think there's an expected amount of time. So I, what I'm going to describe is like what, how much time I spent on this. Uh, I'm a like engineering manager. I have uh, quite a few reports. So this is part of my my duties. Uh, the performance reviews are supposed to be like uh, the to biannual quick performance checks. There's like the, the major the majority of that is like having a one on one video report and talking about like what happened in the past and sort of try to map the achievements and the past six months onto the or the official requirements. So in terms of time, there is maybe one hour of preparation and one hour of uh, like the actual sitting together. Uh, I would say it's like that, that that's, this part is like kind of like very natural, very reasonable because like every manager should be doing this anyway this kind of work and we uh, we just added a little bit of formality on top of that and, and, uh, and guidance. Uh, maybe like the only like a uh, little bit on top is the some kind of committee where we uh, sing with some other managers uh, around to basically talk about how the situation looks in different teams and compare the, uh, the people in between them. Uh, that That's like basically a meeting which can take uh, a few hours we spend maybe 10 15 minutes on a, on a, on a person uh, so I think that's that's pretty reasonable I mean that that's a statement it feels reasonable for me regarding promo applications I actually had uh, two candidates uh, the, this round and preparing the, the promo, promo rationale which explains the track record that can be pretty uh, demanding as you can you actually need to explain to other to the rest of the company why that engineer meets the expectation for that level so it's a few pages of text uh, which needs to convey certain message maybe i spent a day in total per, per one uh, per one per one rationale uh, i have no idea about the others uh, some work faster somewhere slower it's definitely a skill that we need to get better at and then the the promotion process there's obviously some preparations when the committee members need to read uh, read the rationales and then actually talk about those in uh, in meetings. That's a bit more heavy. I won't give you any any number. Uh, it actually happened these two weeks, and uh, I'm tired. That's maybe the 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 bottom line. As in it was worth it, but I'm tired. They're definitely a way to make it a little bit uh, faster, considering that this is like the second time we're doing this, and it's not like um, a skill that we have been uh, nurture, we have been nurturing for a very long time. Uh, I think there's a great potential to reduce the reduce the cost we spent on this. But uh, I'm yeah. mostly speaking for myself in this uh, in this in, in this regard. So it's something that we obviously need to have a discussion in a broader. I broader completely context. cope with that. <laughs> Again, maybe a little we, bit more. we will continue in simplification definitely. Sorry, G. Uh, uh, maybe we can add a little bit more as another engineering manager. Um, I pretty much agree with uh, most of the topic set. Uh, I would just add one thing that uh, it's also uh, puts on us a little bit different mindsets about uh, understanding how the, the promotion should work hard. Uh, that we have some company standards uh, about uh, what which level should uh, should be like. 
and the manager should make sure that uh, uh, he will continuously work over a longer period of time with the servers to to get the opportunity to to prove their uh, their qualities. And, uh, the bar is high, but every every promotion is well deserved, I would say. Yeah, and maybe just to add on the process, like as, as Tobit said, uh, uh, we started just some some quite short time ago. And with each iteration, we are actually improving and learning from that. So it's not like uh, whatever is now in place, uh, it's, it's set in stone and uh, and that uh, we are not uh, going any further. I think that this is actually quite typical for us that uh, when we launch something, we don't really aim towards perfection, uh, but rather learn uh, on the go and, and improve with each iteration, collect the feedback and so on. Thank you. Let's move on to the next question. What is the main focus of, for Kiwi engineering for upcoming months? I, I, I can start if you don't mind, UK. Uh, I will start. So uh, it's very simple. <laughs> it's uh, find out uh, what's the right thing to build as next. Build it, <laughs> verify your hypothesis and uh, repeat. So this is a consistent process. Uh, we need to improve over time. And uh, once we stick to this and learn to do it really, really well, then that's the way how we build an amazing product, which is the end game. So this is it, <laughs> learn your routine. <laughs> I, I would maybe like a, be, be a little bit more specific. I see three pillars there. Uh, one is definitely a people perspective. Uh, because the uh, last couple of months was really tough, tough and now we need to focus to, to, to pay the debt and, and focus on our people. Uh, and uh, and uh, basically uh, rebuild the team and uh, again bring uh, more fun to our work because we love the fun. Uh, the second pillar is definitely technology uh, architecture. So, so we will be speaking mostly about a huge focus on data and uh, and uh, also trying new new principles in architecture uh, we, we we are considering to implement a switch from microservices to the next level of even driven architecture uh, we actually had uh, also talk uh, in tech track so if you are interested check it out uh, ladia had uh, had a uh, ladia radon had a speech about this and uh, Last but not least, from product perspective, we need to switch from a little bit reactive mode, uh, from what, what, where we had, uh, where we have been in last couple of months, to more proactive, and uh, keep continue, keep keep keep, uh, keep continue doing uh, more self-service features, and and basically making whole travel uh, easy, easier and more seamless for the customers. Basically, why our technology and and hacks. Uh, made the experience for people who are using our products seamless with our problems and eliminate as much as possible stress from the travel experience, which is stress uh, at the end of the day, uh, uh, as you can. Okay, thank you, thank you. The next question, are people who are good at hacking sites like kiwi.com, for example, fintech crowds, relevant to join you? Very relevant. Jackie, uh, uh, do you want to comment on this? Yeah, so basically hacking is a mindset where you need to, to learn constantly. That's all what this is about. So I believe Kiwi is the right place if you have this uh, kind of a mindset. So uh, yeah, it could definitely be fun and interesting. And you can get all the answers to your payment questions, Michal. Yes, and actually, like we have, we are on both sides. Also, like being, uh, having part of the team or having teams which are protecting ourselves, and also the teams which are uh, need to need to maybe hack something. So definitely relevant. Uh, send us a message. Oh, come to join. Uh, check jobs.kiwi.com for for open positions and apply. We'll be glad to see you. Next question. Question for Tobik. How different is the engineering culture of Kiwi.com to the Google one? What do you like at Kiwi.com more? Uh, yeah, uh, this is a tricky question. I, I didn't leave Google because I was unhappy there. I was actually very fond of that company. Uh, I would say something that Alex said before, like Kiwi.com is a 
tech company. It's a tech-driven company, and so is Google. So there is very much uh, of the same DNA shared between them. Uh, one of the differences is that Google is like 15 years older or something like that. So many things that we are solving right now are already solved at Google. And maybe one thing that is good about Google that it preserved that, let's say, the, the startup culture, which is like, like normal here at Kiwi, but you wouldn't expect it in 20-year-old company. In terms of like, uh, what do you like at KiwiCon more? I like, even if I had chance, I wouldn't come come back to, to Google. I have way more fun here. It's, uh, I have more, um, let's say more opportunities. I've met some really great people and it uh, somehow feels like a, like a bigger adventure for, for me. So uh, I, would, uh, I would stick to that. Okay. Thank you. We have questions from Alejandro. What are the must-have concepts or knowledge that you have to know to get work in KV engineering team? I can, I can take it. Uh, of course, it's very much depends on the position when we are talking about hard skills. But uh, where I think we are all aligned and what we require for the old position is basically to, to copy somehow our culture and values. And one of the most critical things are, is uh, being a problem solver, uh, being initiative, proactive, uh, being somebody who loves the technology, innovation, and also product. Uh, ideally, somebody who is passionate traveler, who, who loves to travel and who loves to also use the power product. It's, it's a completely different story when you are working on something what you are really using uh, and when you're just working on something what you don't have opportunity to use. Uh, last but not least, uh, we are also checking on all our interviews uh, if you are a team player and if, if you are cooperative because in KV we value team and cooperation about everything like without the team it's very uh, very hard to uh, innovate uh, fa fastly and, and, and uh, basically build, build such a great product in this fast pace. Uh, so for, for me like this is basically what I'm mostly checking. I'm not sure if Petty or, or JK or anybody would like to add something. No, that's a pretty good description, yeah. Okay. I will pick a different question. We don't have yet Martin. Maybe he will join us a bit later. Um, so let's stick to the question from Katerina. Do you track the success of all connections on your interline trips? How often are connections lost? Yeah, so let me take this one. Uh, yes, of course, we track the success of, uh, of the connections or of, of our virtual interline uh, itineraries. And uh, um, let me just say that basically we are trying to optimize the connections and uh, the time that is needed for specific airports or routes. Uh, for the numbers, I don't think that it's, it would be actually um, um, anyhow useful for you now as, as, the, as now the traffic is completely different than pre-pandemic, uh, but it's not often uh, to, 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 to make it, to make it uh, short. Maybe one more thing that, that can be said uh, about this, uh, we can't really track uh, the success of all the connections because uh, uh, the, the passengers not, uh, not always uh, give us the feedback that they didn't make it and uh, then we don't have any means how to find out. Yeah, sure. So, 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 in, mm -hmm. so, so in case it's fine to the system. Yeah, exactly. So, so in case it's uh, the, the information is not really available in any of the uh, data sources that we are using or we don't know from the passengers, then of course we don't know. But uh, like most uh, most uh, frequently, customers actually uh, uh, let us know um, in in form of like the call, uh, what they can do, or uh, or you know, complain or stuff. So we are really uh, trying to solve these uh, issues as we go. Thank you. Okay, uh, question to Martin Jancic and Ludek Websek. What was your biggest design mistake at Kiwi.com? Any lessons learned from there? MJ? Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. Uh, <clears throat> very holistic question. I think there were a lot of mistakes. I think we will still make also a lot of them. Um, I don't know, maybe also Petya has some good ones, but uh, I, the first thing that comes to my mind, I think is something that I sort of touched on during my presentation. It's I think from 2017, uh, when we, when we uh, sort of 
tried to jump research and tried to sort of be innovative and uh, just introduce something, uh, some new innovative way how to search your flights. So it's, I don't want to go too much into details, but uh, it was basically like Google for searching for flights so that we had like one search field in the middle of our homepage. There was nothing else. There was a huge map. And we felt that, okay, this is the way how people will search. And it was all interactive. And you click there, you typed in your destination. It suddenly something new flew in, like to enter additional information. And it was really cool. And we were like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. Like nobody has such an animation as we have. Uh, and uh, yeah, then as we started, we, we then actually took research into, into it. And we started testing with our users. And we found out that we spent so much time actually doing this. And then nobody from the users, they had no idea how to actually find a flight. They, they were so confused about all the animations or all the fancy stuff that we, they, they didn't know how, how to like navigate themselves in such a new UI, which is not very typical, right? Like now, basically, if you look at our UI now, it's sort of a search field, which is very similar to even our competitors. Uh, and there's a reason for that. And uh, we tried to be innovative and introduce something which was completely different. Uh, and probably for designers, it was very cool. But uh, for, for actual people who want to search for a flight, this was really something they couldn't, uh, I couldn't comprehend. And I think the biggest uh, lesson learned from that is, well, we actually also have a huge uh, support from our CEO for this. And he was quite excited about it as well. So we actually even built a prototype, like real front-end prototype connected, obviously, to our backend and so on of it. And it was quite expensive since we already developed parts of, of this. So the lesson was, I think, for all of us that, okay, we need to really think more, iterate more in design and really make sure that we are building something that helps uh, people and solve some real problem. Because this, I think, was more of a, let's do something which is cool and different from everyone else. And uh, it was quite costly for us in the end. So, so I think the lesson for us was, okay, let's not try to do um, innovation as like, let's, ev let's, like ev let's do evolution step by step rather than change everything we have. So I think that's the lesson from there. Yeah, just just agree on the example. I think that it was actually just the the, the biggest one, and it was also before we actually uh, uh, had established uh, UX research team, which also like you know was uh, was kind of like it was like your kind of thing that we did, uh, and I think that uh, actually thanks to this learning, uh, uh, we put much more uh, emphasizes and much more uh, importance on the on the on the UX research and and started to establish. Uh, the, the team and the processes around that and so on. So I think that at the end of the day, it helped us, but yes, it was, uh, as MG said, it was expensive because we actually went even uh, even to the development because just like then uh, we did it like that. So um, yeah, good, good lesson learned. Thank you guys. What was the one hardest top the most expensive lesson each of you learned during your leadership at kiwi.com. I'm not sure now if you, if you should take it from a leadership perspective or like kind of a perspective. I will focus more on leadership, like what I learned and what I find uh, what is the most important leadership role. And it, it is how important it is to build great team you can rely on. It's a, it's a I will recommend all the leaders and all the managers to, to focus on this first, uh, uh, except anything else. Uh, when it, once you have good, good team, uh, you can rely on, you, you can you can delegate uh, things moving moving way faster, and this is uh, definitely something you should focus on. And uh, maybe I would add also how important it is to learn how to share the proper context. Uh, once you, you you don't want to. Tell people what they should do. You you are hiring very smart people. They know what to do. You just uh, your role is just to choose to share them proper context, and they they will do usually way better than you do. Uh, I'm not sure. It is actually leadership question, so I I, I maybe uh, ask the other people on the panel. So what what how they see it? 
It's, it's about building the trust both ways, right? Like uh, what you mentioned, basically. So I think that that's, that's pretty important components in the, in the relationship. And for me, like I, I agree. And uh, I would say that uh, for me, what, what was hard at the beginning was uh, uh, sharing feedbacks, uh, both, both like unpleasant and pleasant ones. Because for the pleasant ones, we often just take it as something as, as, like for granted that, that just should be there. So we just don't mention it, uh, but it's good actually to, to, do, to, to, to do that and, and praise the people, right? And, uh, and, and the same for, for the unpleasant uh, feedbacks. I think that this needs to be actually shared even, even, uh, even more. And uh, it, it's not about like um, that the situation is awkward or unpleasant, but it's like something from which people can learn something. And that's uh, actually at the end of the day, more precious to them than, than just hiding that or, or just like uh, kind of considering that the person actually knows about that, that thing. So I think that uh, it, it's, uh, it's pretty important to, to learn how to, to give constructive feedback and at the same time, how to accept it. I really like Radical Candor book for the feedback. It helped me a lot in order to provide proper feedback and to be transparent. And remember, in leadership and management, explicit is always better than implicit. Yeah, yeah. maybe one more thing. Uh, uh, never underestimate your people and uh, don't be afraid to delegate stuff. Yeah, it's also sometimes important to say no. Thank you, guys. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, have you previously accepted the junior developers based on attitude and culture fit, even though they may not have all the required experiences. Yes, we did. We, we also were doing uh, the, the inter internships programs. And we actually, I, I remember one, which we did like maybe four years ago. And, and currently the guy is uh, level six uh, with this uh, engineering manager and very promising, very, very talented one. Uh, when you really know to how, how to like, when you have this good good gut feeling that you really spot the talent definitely worth to invest uh, especially when you have team when this person can drive so especially when you have group of seniors around who can take uh, take uh, uh, him or her under uh, under her or uh, his wings definitely worth uh, many times attitude passion and and uh, ability to learn and being open minded and and self aware is way more important than, than particular track record or, or experience. Cool, thank you. And we have this question over here. Uh, how much do you pay for the payment fees? Michal, you should really consider applying for FinTech position. Uh, you're exactly. asking very great questions, uh, but I think we, we don't want to uh, say on, on this audience how, how how much we are paying for that uh, it, it's uh, it's business knowledge I, I i think i would be even punished if i would say to, to this audience <laughs> yes but definitely looking forward to, to speaking to you during the interview process so please do apply okay uh it seems we have no questions anymore like guys you have a last chance to post something Okay, no questions are appearing. Uh, thank you for joining the event. It was a pleasure for me to moderate it and, uh, and please follow the club.kv.com in order to not to miss our future events and to join them as well. Thank you for being here. Have a pleasant end of the week and bye.